Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 137. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. All right, fellas. I am sitting in the captain's chair today. And uh, even though we had a little bit of confusion about who was doing what, uh, I'm in charge, so don't forget it. Yes, sir. So that's a little bit of levity that we will probably, only a little bit of levity we will probably have for well, this particular episode. you are correct, sir. Yes. So we're doing uh, history today, and we're doing, uh, a, doing a subject that's a very poignant uh, yes. moment in time, not just for our generation, but really for the entire country. Uh, but in particular... In particular... To, to Gen X, it is... It is a very important moment. It's, it's one of our two Kennedy moments. We actually have two. Because we all remember where we were when we found out Reagan was shot. Mm-hmm. And we also all, we all remember what we were doing when we found out the shuttle Challenger exploded. Uh, two very uh, defining moments yes. uh, in, in the 80s right. uh, for us. And I want to start off with a quote from Reagan. A uh, speech was written by uh, Peggy Noonan fantastic speechwriter in the Reagan White House. And this is basically the last paragraph. And he said, The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us by the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning, as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Well, I love that quote for a lot of reasons. I mean, this could be a code of honor quote. It could. Um, it yes. really. It really could. Uh, well, I've used part of the speech, I believe, as a quote of uh, code of honor. Did you? I believe I used um, the future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. Oh yes, a different part. Of, uh, yeah, different but that part is of that is from that speech. Yes. So, you know, he when he talks about how we saw them this morning, when you think about for those of us that remember it, you know, the, the video of them is you know laughing and joking as they get on this uh, on the shuttle, and seventy three seconds after launch, it explodes. Uh, and it, you know, it was so shocking. It was one of those, you flinch when you see it right. the first time. Well, and it was teed up different than the other shuttle launches because yes. of the presence of Christopher Coloff. Yes, this it, is the first time we had sent a civilian into space. It mm-hmm. was a teacher. And it was very much hyped because this is 1986. By this time, shuttle launches were kind of old hat. It yeah. was the 25th launch, I believe, of the program. Yes. Something like that. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. And... and there just, I mean, there just hadn't been a space program issue or accident since Apollo 13. Right. Which really, it happened when we were fairly young. We might not I don't remember. even remember it. Yeah, I don't really, I just remember the Apollo program in general. I yes. don't remember right. Apollo 13 specifically. I remember the moon landing in 68. It was very small, but it was yeah. one of those I'm things. I'm impressed that you, because you're only two. Not uh, even two yet. Three. Yeah, well, yeah. it was. It was three. Not even three. Yes. Yeah, but it was one of those moments that you know we were. I was gathered with my parents because yeah. uh, my sister was. You know, she was an infant, and we watched it, and it was like a thing. You know, because that's what you. You know, it was. Yeah. It drew. Right. You, you could. You could well, sense it was a momentous even, moment as, a, is, as a small child, yeah. even a teeny weeny child. You sensed the room of this is something special. Essentially, in our lifetime, the space program had been nothing but a success. Yes, uh, it, we could not conceive of it being exactly. otherwise. Apollo it, one was during our lifetime, but you know we don't remember that. Yeah, either. I mean, essentially, uh, it had been fifteen years since there had been any kind of accident at all. Right uh, by the and, time of Challenger, and it was almost twenty years since any loss of life. Yes, 
So, so yeah, it was the success of the space program and that these things just worked for people our age was almost taken for granted. Well, exactly. it, was, it was the Enterprise. I mean, it was, you know, you just went to space because it's what you do. You know, all that kind of... Well, the thing around it is like, you know, that's where we're supposed to be. It's the final frontier. Here we are. We're making this happen. And, well, it was you know, so we mundane. We can't be defeated. It was so it, mundane that, you know, some of them used to joke about their glorified truck drivers. Because all they were doing was shuttling cargo up into space. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, was a good deal of what they were doing. I mean, they also did scientific experiments, but that was just part of the joke. That's how routine it became. Well, and the Cold War was really baked into this whole thing here because Sputnik caught us very off guard in the 50s. And since then, we made a decision. Kennedy started that, but really every president after that says, we will be the dominant force. And some of that jingoism was the fuel that worked for this. We have to be there because oh, yeah. the Russians will be otherwise. Uh, and Well, yeah, it was a very big deal to have the first reusable spaceship. Yeah, that absolutely. was one of the big selling points to the to, to the American public. I was fascinated, totally fascinated with uh, the shuttles, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, up through the, the first Columbia launch. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's just it was something. That, and of course, you know, being a Trek fan, the fact they named the uh, uh, yeah, the, the test Parker. ship the Enterprise uh, was a phenomenal. That's thing. what caught me when that first, when they first started talking about the space shuttle. This is in the mid to late seventies. I'm thinking, what? Why would you do anything different? than what you've already been doing that has worked so well. The whole rockets up and down, I'm thinking, that's the model. And then all of a sudden, it was one, one of my first exposures to the fact that you, if you think differently, if you are innovative and creative and not bound by convention, you are truly on your way to stardom, uh, to success. And in fact, that's the only way it works. Staying the same is, 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 it was some sort, it was one of those almost religious experiences that you realized, wait a minute, and Darwinism will kill you if you don't adapt. And it's kind of like, it, I couldn't have articulated that, but that's, that's, the space shuttle was what brought that into my mind saying, wait a minute, we can do better, we can do different, we can think differently. Holy crap, this is fantastic. So it's January of 86. January 28th. We're uh, all on campus. All on yep. campus. It's right. All Bellarmine, yep. And again, just the shuttle was something you took for granted. Oh, they're having a launch today? Yeah. Not okay. all of them were covered, you know, but because of... Certainly by then. Yeah, and... This one was on CNN as... Again, because of Chris McCall. That's the reason, yeah. you know, and there was a political aspect of that that was a Reagan thing thinking, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to do this. Yeah. So everybody's watching. And, you know, you that's one of the reasons we have the footage of them, those that, you know, that iconic now moment of them going onto the gangway. Well, all of that stuff is filmed anyway, so... Yeah, but it was, most of the time, it never... Well, yeah, you never saw it, but I mean, it was, we would have that film of everybody. Yeah. You got to see it. Yeah. Uh, Well, probably almost nobody saw it anyways, because even though it was the teacher going up, most people who were watching it were actually kids in school, because this was a big deal. This was actually a very uh, traumatic event for a lot of them, because, you know, a teacher died... Literally on screen for them. Well, yeah, yes. and, and, and it's not like it's already happened and we're going to, like 9-11, it happens and then everybody tunes in. 
Nobody watches it live, or like Kennedy. But the kids did. But the kids did this time. That's what's yep. different about this issue. Yeah. It's it's literally a live disaster. A live disaster, which you know doesn't have. It's really, it's probably the first live disaster. Yeah. Uh, in history. Yeah. Uh, because you know, up to then, it just you know, with, with something like when Kennedy's assassinated, you know, nobody knows that until it's happened, and then all of a sudden, it's twenty four seven. Well, coverage. after it's happened, yeah, exactly. After it's happened, and then all of a sudden, it, it works its way out. Uh, same as with nine eleven, something happens and it works its way out. Yeah. This is on the moment. Yeah. So, for, for let's many get, of for, our most vulnerable, for those of our younger listeners, uh, who I'm sure we have many, uh, who, and for our older listeners who just don't remember as well as we do. Uh, just give some background here. So the space shuttle, uh, there are seven astronauts, and uh, this is actually a full ride because you know yeah. they weren't always uh, seven astronauts, but this is a full, full. ride. They're, they've got a lot of things going on with this one. There's experiments. There's the whole teacher in space thing. She was actually going to teach from the space shuttle. Right. So I mean, they had this thing. Uh, it, it was a big PR thing. Well, the State of the Union message was scheduled for that evening it was and it was written into the state of the union uh reagan was going to mention it uh to the speech to congress about how successful the program was yeah and of course the the speech to congress was delayed uh because of this sure. and instead and he gave really, a speech yeah i mean think about uh, they canceled state of the union peggy newton writes this incredible address for him to go on television with. And of course, uh, he delivers it as only he could. Yeah, that's correct. It was an amazing moment. And, you know, he was called a great communicator. This is one of those moments that solidified. Even if they, even his opponents said, yeah, you, you, that is history being made. Something yeah. we will not, we will not forget that moment. Yeah. It, it was amazing uh, to watch him on television deliver that speech. It was so needed at Very the time. Moving. Because Very we it were, it, we, we didn't, like I say, we didn't witness it as it happened, but we were right after that. I mean, literally, I was prepared to go to, uh, it happens at 11.39. I'm preparing, I'm in my dorm room, preparing to go to a 12.30 production management class. And yeah, I just right. happened to have the TV on, and all of a sudden they break in and they tell this. And this is only a few minutes later. And all of a sudden you get the, uh, the video footage, and you see the parachute drop, which is one of those great ironic moments of media cluelessness, although it's somewhat understandable, thinking, oh my gosh, maybe somebody survived. And, of course, they come back come a few minutes later. No, those are rescue teams being deployed. I mean, come on. It's, it's not, let's not do stupid stuff here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've got... Uh, uh, just give the names, because we really yes, should have uh, done this uh, yes, before. Yes, no, was seven. That's great. So, the crew was actually announced a year prior, yes. uh, almost to the day. January 27th, and it was commanded by Francis Scobie. Michael Smith was the pilot. Uh, Ellison Onizuka was the mission specialist, along with Judith Resnick and Ron McNair. Ron McNair, one of the first African Americans in space. Yep. This is the probably the most diverse shuttle mm-hmm. crew. Ellison uh, Onizuka, the first Asian American in space. Exactly. So we had uh, a teacher. Uh, we had a black man, Jewish. We had uh, 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 two women uh, mm-hmm. in this. Uh, so anyways, uh, Judith Resnick and Ronald McNair and the uh, payload specialists were Gregory Jarvis and uh, Krista McAuliffe, of course, was who was part of the Teacher in Space project. Yeah. And it was a very, this is a point in time when the country is still incredibly full of optimism and hope. Uh, the recovery uh, of uh, from the uh, late 70s and the very early uh, 1982 
uh, recession has just been going like gangbusters. You know, oh, everything yeah. is humming along. Interest rates are, are reasonable yeah. again. There's everything no gas is just lines, phenomenal. No, no energy in the crisis. No inflation. All so, those things that those malaises in the seventies that just plagued everything. Yeah, everything all that's gone. And it's almost like a switch was flipped. Yes. And that the optimism, the shuttlecraft, the shuttle program was endemic of that. It was, it was. like it's the it's the poster child of things are better now than they were just a few years ago. And this was kind of a, a hard knock of reality. Oh, yeah, this saying, is a gut punch. Yeah, saying this is, you know, yes, they may be better, and yes, this is a great thing, but don't you dare get too cocky because things are still dangerous out there. And yeah. That's, uh, so the the mission was actually scheduled to go off uh, the previous July. Yes, it had been delayed. So since it had been July. delayed several times, uh, first to November and then to January. Now, of course, they take off from Florida. And it is uncharacteristically cold. That's that which is the that which is the actual X factor that doomed. Which the is project. the X factor, which yes. Yes. So as there. everybody knows who knows anything about this, the O rings were uh, yes. the, the the primary failure point. Although you could say the decision decision to launch was the primary failure point. Yes. Yes. The um, O rings are built into what are called the solid rocket boosters. Yes. These are multi section. Uh, rocket boosters. Solid, ro- solid fuel boosters. Solid fuel boosters. The idea here is that these pliable O-rings under the pressure will expand and hold these sections together without leaks. But, but because it was only 20 degrees or so. 20, 20, I think it was actually like 28 degrees. Yeah. Same as the day. I mean, super, super, super cold for Florida. Uh, the O-rings were not pliable enough to not prevent... Uh, gases escaping from the sections of the boosters, which were ignited, those, those ignited <coughs> burn through to the liquid, uh, to, the, to the O2 tank, liquid the, oxygen tank, the external fuel tank that fueled the shuttle's engines, um, and that's the explosion. That's the explosion, yes. And uh, so, actually, you know, I said twenty. Actually, uh, it was eighteen degrees overnight. Rose to twenty-two. It was 26 at the time of the launch at 9.38. That's, that's right. super, super and cold. really, yeah. I mean, which yes. is, you know, it, at the time it was seen as a terrible accident, and it was, but the investigation goes back and realizes there was some concern uh, by the manufacturer and even, and, and, some and, of the, and, many of the, and many of the NASA people that cold weather will inhibit this Right. Issue. They actually did warn specifically about the O-ring. So this wasn't a total surprise. Oh, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to launch in cold. No, it's not a good idea to launch in cold because of this same reason Correct. that it ends up destroying and, it. And the investigation comes back later and says it was the it was the cultural climate of NASA at the time that was the true yeah. villain here. We, because, we can't fail. Because not only can we not fail, we will move forward, period. And that's ultimately what led to this is the fact that they should have been. They should have known better. They absolutely should have. They should have. Yeah. But their but their climate was so production oriented. Well, part of this though, I think, is the fact that this was the teacher in space launch. That's correct. There's a political environment. If it had been delayed already a couple of times. If it had been any other launch, this might not have gone off. That's possible. They, They they may have been more. We'll never know, of course. Yeah, we'll never know. But I, I, I personally, I believe that was part of the the decision making. You know, we got the press all over this. We can't delay yet again because it's too cold. Because we're you know we'll be ridiculed, blah blah blah. Whatever the reasoning, 
I think the politics of it uh, yeah. play a, a good yeah. deal. And, and, and many of those decision makers themselves were vilified, rightfully so in many respects. I don't want to be too to go too easy on them. Yeah, I mean there were there were managers at both Morton Thiokol and at NASA who overruled engineers. Correct. That's that brought up these issues. And therein, and of course, this and, all comes to light in the investigation. Yeah. And yeah, I. I uh, I do not. I presume many of these folks are still alive. Uh, I'm sure they have a very hard. Uh, maybe not. Uh, I, I worry about their conscience because I am sure once reality sets in, they realize, you know, uh, my God bones, what have I done <laughs> to steal Star Trek from you yeah. again? Uh, that's for, in the same moment. Uh, but you know, every yeah. and everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed after that. I remember the. I remember the moment walking up the. Because I had watched probably maybe 30 to 40 minutes of the coverage before I had to go to class. Because it's 12.30 class at this time uh, on that day. And um, and that's all. You could just see. So back then, it, that meant it was a Tuesday. Tuesday. That's right. Yeah, Tuesday. 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 Yeah. So that's why it was. Uh, and, you know, it's production management. Dr. Stein, actually, for me. So it's not a real Gabby group. I mean, it's very focused on, you know. Ma- almost engineering mathematics, but the 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 mood in there was just like, did you hear? And you know, and yeah. it was it's going around, and there's no there's no chit chat uh, going on. Yeah. It's just like, holy crap, we've yeah. all been gobsmacked yeah. by this. And I don't recall uh, Doctor Stein speaking of it. I think we went into class just as normal, but it was very different. Yeah, yeah. Batman and I were between classes, walking around campus. Um, I think then it was called uh, Fraser Hall. Yeah, what it's still called now? I think it's still called Fraser, but it's part of a bigger thing. Yeah, like uh, give it a yeah, it's some, some something dining commons. Yeah, yeah, it was Costa Dining. Commons at, t- at Costa the time commons. we were there. So you're yeah. over, you're over in Fraser. I was, I was in the dorms. You I were, was, you the, were at K New. Uh, right. uh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was in I was in Newman, and I walked down the hill and up into my class was in the administration building. Although we called it Kennedy Newman, kids nowadays they had to abbreviate. They had to abbreviate to Kennedy. Yes. So we, anyway, we were at Fraser and another student stopped. You were on the other side. I was in the Concord office up on the second floor uh, of uh, Fraser, Fraser above yeah. the above cafeteria. The yeah, and he told us, "Did you hear the shuttle blew up?" And we were like, "That doesn't even make any sense. That's not a sentence." Yeah, it's like saying those words don't make any sense. But together, purple. I, that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember and I was I, working I, on something that was due, so I was like feverishly working on it, and I kind of heard the background when people talking. Yeah. And it's like, I was what? like, you. It's like what? that's somebody's screwing around. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. screwing. See, I didn't because I, I, I saw it actually happen. You know, once yeah. news coverage covered, and that's why you know I didn't have any doubt. But there were those people around yeah. us that were like you all that like, what what. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do. I don't remember anything else from the rest of the day. Uh, just, just that you know. I remember watching because we had a little black and white in the office. Yeah, and that's what and I had in my dorm room. It, you know, it was a little thirteen inch that you had back then, and uh, I mean, computer screens are bigger than that now mm-hmm. on the laptops. Um, and I, I distinctly remember all of us viscerally flinched. Yeah. When it blew. when you saw when you saw it yeah play. I mean yeah. just your insides go cold yeah uh, yeah just... because they they edited it down where it's the moment and yes yeah well you know you got to see depending on what part of a broadcast you know from beginning to end and then and beyond uh, with those rockets just going all over the place yeah uh, and then I remember a scene 
after I left there, watching again on the bigger screen TV over by the doors leading to the the, the square. That's where we, um, I think, sat down and watched. Then. Yeah. And, you know, it was a bigger TV. It was color. And uh, I remember standing around the TV with a bunch of people watching that again and again. And I don't remember where I went. I, I'm like you. I have no idea what happened I don't after know, that. I don't know. If I had an evening class that not. night, marketing, actually, uh, Dr. Chandra Mooley. And um, it, by that time, more was known. And it was a different tone at that point. It was like we've gotten over a little bit of the initial shock. And the grieving is starting to set in. Like, you know, how could this happen? And that's when that that was the question. You know, earlier in the day it was what, and then it's how, yeah. and why. And of course, the why kind of came later. Yeah. Uh, of course, everybody remembers. You know, the the uh, controller who's doing the uh, the voiceover. You know, obviously, there's been a major malfunction. You know, it's kind of ridiculed, but, you know, the guy didn't know what the hell to well, say. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they needed to give him a little yeah. bit of a break because, you yeah, know, it's hindsight... Hard, it's hard to know. They're not always... Have, they don't always have visual. Right. At, at one point, all they knew is they didn't have downlink, which no telemetry from the from exactly. the vehicle. And, you know, it, it, theoretically, it, I mean, actually, we do know that some of them um, were alive after the initial explosion, just like with the Columbia... 20 years later, or 15 years later. That's right. And, you know, they actually found, and this was, I think, a year later, maybe even more than that, they found the crew compartment at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. Yeah. They found a significant portion of the, the shuttle. Right. Yeah. Down there, and which was kind of gobsmacked. And they were pretty much believing that death occurred when they impacted with the water because of the violent At nature. least for a couple of the crew members. Yeah. yeah. If anyone some, was... There was some evidence that some of the controls and that... They've been trying to do something. Right. They've been. Uh, they hit some like of the switches. And the suits that they're wearing, you know, they're not true space suits. They're more like an environmental suits. Yeah. Uh, there was evidence that those had been uh, 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 adjusted, trying to you know get their helmets on, or they had their helmets, but to to turn on the oxygen in the yeah. suits, things things like that. Yes. Uh, right. So yeah, they obviously survived the explosion, which at least is, some, which is kind of yeah. Uh, they uh, think the commander didn't. Right that Dick Scobie maybe didn't because. They think people were trying to do things for him. Could be, yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it, so, but yeah, they, they, they definitely knew what had happened. Uh, this was not and, something and that... And that, of course, was the inconceivable part for most people. Yeah, because it took a long... It, 73 seconds to blow up, yeah. but a lot longer to actually fall to the earth. That's right. And, so, that's, and that's a, you know, however long it was, it probably seemed 100 times longer. Right, and you know, to know that you're literally, you know, it's, it's like fall, literally falling from the sky. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's what shook, I think that shook America again after the fact, because it's like I said, I think maybe two years later when they actually found those remains, and they're thinking, oh my God, not only did they die, they died knowing what was happening. It was not at least to a degree, to yeah. some degree. Apparently, right. there was some recording of somebody said, uh oh. Yeah. Yes. In, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the in the crew area, uh, in in the cockpit of the of the of the vehicle, somebody said, "Uh oh, what that meant, we don't know." But yeah, some some hint that something was wrong. Um, apparently, you can if if the external tank burns through, yeah, the pressure of the liquid oxygen is under drops significantly, and they monitor that, and that's something they could tell. They, 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 Something's wrong. The engines, um, 
you know, yeah. the, the very famous, the, the last, kind of the last part of the TV broadcast is, you know, go with throttle up. Yeah. Yes, throttle and people initially up. thought that was the cause. No, it wasn't. It no. is, it's kind yeah. of coincidence. It was Just going. coincidence, yeah. Um, but yeah, go with throttle up and then immediately the, uh, the explosion. Yeah. And, you know, looking back at the video, which, you know, obviously it's fascinating to look at because you want to know why. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at all these things trying to, it's like, you know, watching the Columbia uh, video, which you actually got some better video because of uh, how where they were in the sky because they were going across the sky, not straight up. Right. And some of the cameras a lot better. Fifteen years later, uh, so you can actually see parts of the shuttle uh, as it's coming uh, coming down right before it breaks up. And but you, that was a different experience. It was, and I think that's important that we mention that because, mm-hmm. and I do not want to say necessarily we were desensitized at that time, but we were. Well, it wasn't as shocking because we'd already been through it once. Well, that's that's kind of you know, and that's that's it I, was shocking in the sense that hey, we we shouldn't have to go through this again. Didn't we fix all this before? Well, and, that, and you're exactly correct. And it was like learning a lesson that you don't really learn, and you have to learn it again. That's but that's as we found out, this one was entirely different. That is correct. Cars. And that's... honestly, this one truly is more of a oh my god, how could we have predicted this? Because it's such a fluke the way it happened. And see, and that to me is something that we can live with. We recognize we can the live risks. with it. I think, but in some ways, I think it's harder because it's it's uh, such a fluke. I mean, yeah, the other one it's hard to live with because it was preventable. Correct. This one's hard to li- live with because it's not preventable. Uh, because it's it was something yeah. that was just totally. Because if if that piece of foam from the from the liquid uh, tank hits at a slightly different angle, yeah. Doesn't create a hole in the in the wing. If it doesn't create a hole in the wing, the, you know all that plasma from reentry doesn't get inside of it and burn the thing out from the inside. That's right. It's it's a very so it's a it's an amazing moment because it goes back. You know this because the the Columbia was you know it goes back to the old James T. Kirk and you knew I'm going to bring this up. Risk is our business. That's that's what the starship mm-hmm. is about. That's why we're aboard her. Those even though when I and I those words echoed in my head when that happened. I realized. After we knew what happened, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, damn, it's a tragedy. But these folks signed on for that, and we mourn them, and we celebrate them, and it's just one of the casualties of moving things forward. The Challenger had something totally different than that. It was, this should never have happened. Yeah. And that's the difference, in my mind. Yeah, I think this is a good spot to uh, take a a bourbon break. Yes. Yes, I was about to do that, yes. Um, because we do want to raise a glass to let's, the memory of let's the Let's the seven names again. So, the seven names, sorry, I'd scrolled down from the uh, names, uh, looking at... Uh, yes, Dick Scobie. Dick Scobie. Um, Ron McNair. Uh, so, actually, Francis Dick Scobie. Michael Smith. Michael Smith, yes. Elena, Ellison Onizuka, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Greg Jarvis, Greg and of course, Krista McCauley. Yes. And those names are not unknown today. Well, you I can speak what, those yeah. names to at least a few of them. Yeah. And people Everybody will, knows Krista McCall. Correct. That name is... Honestly, I think Judith Resnick is a na- and Ron McNair are probably the other two that are most widely known. I don't know. Ellison Onizuka comes Onizuka. forth. Yeah, he, yeah Only because too, yeah. It's, it's a Japanese name and there's no... You can't mix that in with remembering somebody else. His yeah. is very unique. Well, it, there's a couple of interesting things about Ellison Onizuka, too. Um, of course, I don't have to tell you guys in... Several episodes of Next Generation, one of the shuttlecraft is named the Onizuka. 
Yes, that's correct. Uh, I loved that I third that season. Was, that's right. That was wonderful of the producers to do because that was only in 1989. That's three years later. Yeah, yeah. Trek has been awesome at naming their ships after famous people in the space program, uh, which very nice. Yeah, uh, they've been very good. And uh, also, I think recently, uh, even ESPN, because Onizuka took one of his kids' soccer balls. You know, the astronauts are always allowed these personal items. Sure. Yeah. So that when they come back, they say, oh, this has been to space. Uh, Didn't Ron McNair take a musical instrument, like a trumpet I or something? So. I played, think so. Because he was in a jazz band or something. Yes. I, they were all very interesting people. They had yeah. sidelights besides being uh, uh, astronauts. But Onizuka's, uh, his kids still went to high school in Houston, and the soccer ball was recovered. A lot of their personal items were recovered because they were in containers that were sealed and um, the soccer ball is still at this uh, Houston area high school that's awesome that is phenomenal now that you know hardly anybody even understands why is this dusty soccer ball in this case over here because it's important you little dweeb (laughs) (laughs) so but yeah Onizuka especially I think and Chris McAuliffe are are their names kind of stay out there and, and again part of that due to Star Trek and the producers and it's pretty awesome yeah, uh, to, uh, a glass to them. A glass to know, them. Amen. Uh, may their souls rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And may they forever inspire those who uh, uh, endeavor to do things that are both yeah. risky and important. Again, For, the future belongs to the brave. That's right. Absolutely. And they were indeed that. Absolutely. Amen. Brothers, and, sisters, and Robert, siblings. you also had another couple of uh, salutes you wanted to do. Yes, uh, while we some, are at it. To some figures that were recently lost. Yes, so recently uh, uh, we lost uh, Bob Dole. Uh, Bob Dole is the last senator. of the old guard. Yeah, he was a senator at the time this happened. Um, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, he was a senator practically, you know, when, when Moses was leading them out of uh, Egypt. Yes, he would say He was the, like I said, he was the last of the old guard. He was... Uh, uh, not quite a Reagan conservative. No, they, he they was had cons- their clashes. They had their clashes. Uh, he he was seen as uh, a more moderate, middle of the road uh, kind of guy. A moderate conservative, yes. Uh, very much honestly, so. by not, today's not, standards, I think he would be seen as a as a rhino uh, because he was not. Yeah. Well, he wasn't a he wasn't a movement guy. He, right, he was, was not, more one of those. Well, he was we a were, politician. He was an old, uh, you know, just old fashioned. Yeah, well, yeah, that and you know, he understood. And this is something that when you are movement-oriented, like we all are at times in our lives, yeah. um, you forget that those guys that are not movement-oriented are, are the ones who actually get the work done. Yeah. And he was one of those guys. He was one of those guys that realized, look, I don't like necessarily their positions, but I still got to work with these guys. Yeah, because nothing and, happens if we don't. Exactly. And he, was, he, he wanted and, to produce yeah. more And while than in general, you know, if Congress can't get a whole lot done, I think that's... You know, not necessarily a bad thing. Not a bad thing, but he was—he was. The idea was to move things forward for the people. Exactly. Right. Uh, he was—he's an incredibly honorable man. Tenth uh, Mountain Division, World War Two. Yes. Uh, again, uh, very dramatically wounded. Yes. Um, uh, always carried a pencil or something else in his hand because his his wounded. hand uh, was wounded and he could uh, basically. Uh, yeah, uh, he he took machine gun bullets all up one side. Yeah. Um, and I believe, if I remember this right. Uh, treated, um, perhaps in an Armenian hospital. I do not remember for sure. But he was very much, you know, one of his things was yes, in World War One that was genocide, the Armenian genocide. He yes. he 
he owed a debt, I think it was, to the to Armenian right. uh, people. Well, he, he was, whether you like him or not as a politician, he was an honorable man. Yeah. Yes. Although, i got to say, when it was, during the 1996 uh, convention, where he was nominated, where he finally got to run, yes. it was his turn, and his wife Libby Dole has the night where she gives the speech. And, you know, she was the first one to ever go down on the floor and walk amongst the delegates, people. Yeah. And we're all sitting there watching and we're thinking, my God, we nominated the wrong Dole. Yeah. Yeah, she she was in high ascendancy after that. She, she was, was seen as, that was, he was, she was a very good strength yeah. for him. Uh, and, and, and she had more energy. in her own right. She did, yes. She did, very much so. Uh, yeah. She is, they were, they were a power couple before you really knew what that meant. Yeah. Um, you know, they honestly, I think they were better at being a, a political couple than than Hillary and and uh, Bill could ever hope to be. But um, you know, Bob Dole was one of the greats. I didn't always like his style or what he did, but you know, he was respected even across the aisle. He was greatly respected. He was very much and respected. He, he really was, I think, good at what he did. I think he was good for the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't say that about every Republican or or every Democrat uh, of any stripe, yeah. uh, but he was one that was, uh, and he he is one that uh, died at ninety eight, and uh, you know didn't really realize he was still around because he's ninety eight. Well, uh, uh, he t- you don't think about somebody that old. He took especially saluting veterans very seriously. Yes, and confined to a wheelchair, very very elderly, but stood. At George H. W. Bush's funeral. Yes, it's like, oh, okay. That that's that's a real sign of respect. Yes, that's why and I that's say he's kind of an honorable he man. Yes, yeah, we're both were veterans, and he understood. They both understood. Yes. That was a big deal. Again, Tenth yeah. Mountain Division, um, heavily engaged in in Europe in World yeah. War Two. So he he saw his share. He, he did. He did his share. You know, the other thing that does uh, the last thing before we raise our toast. But one of the other things that I thought made him an uh, honorable man. When he was running in 1996, he resigned his post in the Senate mm-hmm. to devote his time full-time to the campaign. Because he said, I can't do both, and the people of my state deserve representation. Now, that was partially a political move in the sense that he was hoping that would give him a boost. And it did. It did, yeah. That actually did give him a boost. Uh, not as long-lasting as, as he would have liked, but, uh, uh, you know, the fact that he was willing to do that because he could have served for many, many years. Oh yeah, and it was, it was very much a, a it was a military veteran thing. He's the general who goes to the front lines, steps off his horse, and sends the horse back and stands with his men. He understood that. That's exactly yeah. what that move was. It was like Patton riding in a tank. You know, that's I mean, right. You're, you're there. Uh, he's you're, there. You're there with your folks, and yeah. that's you know we are going to we're going to win this. Uh, yeah. And then there was one more person you well, wanted to salute. Well, let's toast Bob. Oh, you want to salute Bob? Oh, you want to do them individually, yes. So Snakes and Otters so, salutes Bob Dole. Uh, well, yes, yeah, Snakes and Otters salutes Bob Dole. Snakes and Otters loves some Bob Dole. Amen, amen. I love the cheese commercial that was done shortly after that 96 campaign. It was uh, about a guy running for office that says he doesn't like cheese. And they have all sorts of you know things that happen through this. And they brought in Bob Dole, and he and he speaks because he often spoke to himself in third person. Third person. And he would say, "Well, I'll tell you what you know this guy. I'll tell you what Bob Dole thinks. I think Bob Bob Dole thinks this guy's a doofus." And of course, the commercial ends with the guy saying, "Who is you know now politically destroyed?" He says, "I am not a doofus." So it's an amazing kind of playoff on that. You know, a week or two after the election, he was on Saturday Night Live. Now they would never have a you know Republican on now. 
but he was hilarious. You know, I watched that, and I didn't... That was the only time I watched Saturday Night Live in years, probably, around then, because it hadn't been funny in forever. And watching on that, all I kept thinking was, where was this guy? Yeah. Yeah. This guy, if this guy had run, he might have beaten Clinton. Certainly would have had a better showing. But, you know, he... He was a little too stiff for his own good sometimes. Well, he was older than Clinton, and Clinton's youth, relatively speaking, played heavily. He was fair. And again, it's hard to unseat a, a, a sitting president. It is. We don't do it that is. much. We don't like doing that it much. Is. Happens occasionally, but it does. Much. So anyway, so the next one, uh, this one is a cultural touchstone. I was yeah. going to say, talk about a gear shift here, folks. It is. Uh, they're not quite total opposites necessarily, but uh, certainly in, in uh, professions they just about are. So uh, Michael Nesmith. Singer, songwriter, uh, guitarist, actor, actor. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, we're the monkeys. He. That's true. The monkeys who were, you know, who were created for a television show. Yes. Uh, and, and you know, for the longest time, uh, they weren't even allowed to play their own instruments on the the albums they released. Yeah. That's why they first went on tour was to prove they could actually play their instruments. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I think of Michael Nesmith and the Monkeys, the first song I think of is listen to the band because it's one of the few that he actually sang yeah oh that's true um, i had forgotten and, uh, that one i love that one it, it's well, a really good one we were i don't do you guys even remember the tv show oh yeah i was gonna say i thought we did yeah i mean, I mean it was we were, syndication we, enough that yeah, yeah right. there are episodes it, it it turned up uh, i think in the 90s on nickelodeon well, see, i remember when it was broadcast just barely, because it was designed for kids. I mean, it wasn't exclusively for kids. It was. It, it was a, somewhat. It, it. I don't know. I think it uh, was humor uh, oriented. It was, it was kind of a knowing nod to the counterculture that was sanitized enough where young people would be cool. Correct. But but they, they were extremely popular. There there were nods. There yeah. were nods to things like drug use and the counterculture. I mean, it was in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was also in the moment of this is the time when Batman is the TV series was in high ascendancy. So camp yeah. that type of a humor was very, very popular. Yeah, and, and, they, and it they, was that same type of humor. Yeah. And I can remember watching these as a kid, some of these things. And it was like, whoa, this is yeah. this is cool. My sister yeah. loved the monkeys and we still tell jokes from the show. Oh, uh, I can't do that one. But No, no we, uh, the joke is, uh, I forget which one of the monkeys is, but would you care to join me in a cup of tea? And the response is, do you think we'll both fit? Oh, okay. So, I mean, that's... That sounds like one of Mike Nesmith's lines. It, 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 it's, yeah. it probably was a like a Mickey Dolan's Mike well, Nesmith line. Well, you know, and Davy Jones got a lot of the press because he was the heartthrob. He was yes. the one all the girls loved. And that was, of course, deliberate on the on the creator's yes. intentions. Well, you know, this was supposed to be the, the answer to the Beatles uh, for America. That's right. And there was recently a, uh, a, a streaming movie. I, I don't remember where yeah. it was, but it was about the monkeys, their history, how they were put together... The actors were great. They, they did a phenomenal job portraying them. And there's a bit where they go over to England. And everybody goes crazy over them, Including the Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles were anxious to meet these guys. Because, because by they that, actually liked them. Because by that time, they had had enough quality music put forth. Because ultimately, that's what they, they stood or fell yeah, yeah. on that. And... I mean, those many of those songs are part of our culture today. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. the monkeys. There's several of their songs always oh, yeah. on my playlist. Yeah, uh, well, Pleasant you know, Valley Sunday. I love Pleasant Valley oh, Sunday. Oh yeah, Sunday. Uh, Very uh, Last Train to Clarksville, uh -huh. uh, Daydream uh, Believer, yep. yeah. which is maybe their biggest. Uh, 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 All kinds of different ones. I mean, uh, they, they really pulled off, despite being you know the prefab four as they were called. Right. They really <laughs> pulled off, you know, like I said, this humor comedy. 
being in this cultural moment and a ton of music. Some of it their own, some of it, of course, written for them. But, but they made it their own. They, right. they, I mean, really they did all the singing for sure. They uh, didn't always get to play their instruments uh, until later. Yeah. Now, after they saw that met the Beatles, that's when they had started to actually decline in the sense that they gotten into the drugs. And the movie implied that the monkeys are the ones that introduced the Beatles to the drug culture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what, what Which I find a little hard to believe. Well, well you, you know. see, but that time, you're, you're talking late Beatles, you know, what's what, 69, 68? Uh, I don't know when they went over there because the, the, the movie seemed to imply there was still a few years left of, yeah, so, of their But it was still, post Sgt. Pepper's, I'm sure. And those Beatles are very different yeah. than before that. Yeah. And uh, well, I don't know if it was post Sergeant. Maybe Pepper's. not, I'm, I'm, because I'm again, not. assuming the movie is correct and how they are portrayed, yeah, they're not yet the the hippie look. Yeah, the no beards. Beatles. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clean yeah a little bit yeah. more clean cut. Uh, not entirely, but you know, the longer hair, not the 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 really '60s advertising man uh, kind of look that they had when they first came over. Well, you know, um, no let it be stuff, which is right. Uh, you know, so, really but anyways, I thought I just thought that was an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, Mike Nesmith is gone. He's the the. Third of the four, only Mickey Dolan's is left. Uh, Mickey Dolan said, uh, "I've lost uh, a great friend." Yeah, they the two of them were really close. Yes, uh, uh, they're not. They weren't always. The whole group wasn't always close. Um, but again, you know, but they, they generally got along. They you know. they they did try to start writing their own music. That was a big turning yes. point. Again, the, they the, did their own movie, which bombed. The the yeah. waning of the show, and again, a show like that is going to have a moment. And then it's got a limited expiration. That, that yeah. shtick will get old fast. But they tried to write their own music and put out successful albums. Yeah, uh, all through uh, the late sixties. Yeah, so you know, and Mike Nesmith, he went into music production. He was a producer yeah. at one of the big labels, probably multiple labels. But he was, uh, is he the one that also delved into digital music production, or was that Dolan's? Honestly, I don't know. I think one of them even, uh, you know, got into the, the the digital stuff at the turn of the nineties. In, in, in a time when that was somewhat groundbreaking. Yeah. Yes. Now, when they first got back together in the eighties for a reunion tour, Nesmith did not go. It was just the other three. Yeah. I remember one of them they, did not. I couldn't remember which one it was. They been in and out. Yeah. yeah. But when they did a later tour uh, together, all four of them did get back. So Nesmith did return and, and do that which was awesome but I have such fond memories of the music as a kid yeah, yeah. It's, and the it's, show it's still satisfying yeah I still have a uh, the best of album on my playlist on yeah. my, my and, and massive you know, one that and it's day. generational too because my kids like it oh yeah I mean, my son likes they it reckon, you know, good yeah. music is good music is good music and it should survive the test yeah and again a lot of the that time. early stuff they didn't write that was written by songwriting prose which usually does make it hold up yeah long term well you know the a lot of musicians don't write their own music, you know, because oh, yeah. that's a that's hard. Well, that's right. Well, Nashville, the whole country music piece, it's it, very few right there. There's an industry down there that's right. around that thing that they're, they're writing. Yeah, the whole Coyote, Coyote Ugly thing where she wants to be a songwriter. Yeah, that's part. I mean, that's exactly what that's she, exactly what it what does. That's tying into there's it. a whole industry down there of folks that write songs for country stars, and they say this sounds like so and so, and they'll pitch it to the labels who, yeah. who run those. And the stars will say, okay, I can do that. I mean, Sarah Evans is a great example. You know, she never writes anything. Yeah. But everything that comes to her... as long her, as they can sing it, that's the important thing. Well, that's right. And, yeah. and, and it's, and it's designed hey, for that. So, raise a glass to, okay. uh, to Mike, Mike Nesmith. May he rest in peace as indeed, well. Indeed, indeed. An era ends. Yes. Well, not quite. Mickey not quite. Still Mickey, Mickey's still around and, uh, yeah. So, 
Anyways, back to Challenger. Yeah, and, as, we, uh, as we as we you know we we've talked a lot about the uh, the people and of course the the some of the circumstances, and you know I think really the the thing left to talk about uh, without you know pummeling the expired equine is how this changed the space program. Yeah, uh, it was two and a half years before we sent up another space shuttle. Yeah. Uh, they re-engineered their entire process. Right. Yeah. Uh, we we definitely got a bloody nose over this. Yeah. yeah. The solid rocket boosters were redesigned. The the procedures were were redone. Yep. They they created an office uh, of, of safety. safety. Yeah. To, yeah. Which blows your mind that they didn't have one before. Yeah. Well, but it, yeah. it was an office that could call off a launch now. Right. Yeah. And yeah. They, they had something to actually veto it. it. That's yeah. right. It was not something that was ceremonial or just bureaucratic. It actually. Uh, was intended to be the right thing. And uh, evolution, this was served, you know, you, you adapt uh, as you needed to, and, and we certainly did. And the, But the beautiful thing is, the program did not end. No, it did not end. That was, well, you know, it was it was one of those things where, you know, the, the shuttle is still relatively new. Uh, the first launch actually into space had only been five years prior, 1981. And uh, with John Young, who was an Apollo astronaut, mm -hmm. and uh, Bob Crippen, who was the uh, co-pilot on that uh, first yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, Crippen went up again later. Uh, I think Young, that was his last flight. He was uh, a little bit elderly for uh, the space program. That was well, his speak, last you know, Speaking of which, uh, you know, uh, John Glenn goes on the shuttle later. Yes. And which was which was a big moment at the time. Yes. Was he still a sitting senator at that time? Yes. I yes. think he was. Uh, who was the other senator that went Jake up? Garn. Jake Garn, yes. I knew there was yeah. another one, yes. Which was a, a, a very, you know, they came back stronger. Yeah. That they were, and that's weird because and, you know they got the funding to build another space shuttle to replace, yeah. Um, which because originally what, there were going to be five, yeah. Budget cuts took it down to four, and if you remember, the shuttle originally was pitched as we can turn these suckers around every two weeks, we can have a launch yeah. every two weeks. <laughs> uh, now, that's with a rotating shuttle, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because the, the, it really was the idea was to have 24 lunches a year, right. And so, you know, obviously we never attained anywhere near that. Uh, it was a very expensive proposition. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, once you're locked in, you're, you're kind of locked in. The American people were very much behind that, though. Yes. That's, we didn't mind our tax dollars going for that. Yeah. Replacing the shuttle was, I think, important to the, to the American psyche. It was. Yeah. And, you know, so Ende you're right. Endeavor became the, the, the new fourth shuttle. Uh, and then, you know, we were, were humming along. Mm -hmm. For 15 years, yeah, until Columbia, losing Columbia was the death knell of the program. The program yeah, uh, Columbia was the oldest shuttle mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Matter of fact, it was 20 years old when it went up. That's an that's an astounding thing. You think about it. We sent up something that was built in the 1980s. I mean, that's not quite test tube technology, but damn, it's not far. Well, and you know, it's a it's a beating, right? It's and a beating. The the the. The shuttles took a beating on this cycle of launch and, and return. Right. Jim, the Enterprise is twenty years old. We feel her time is over. That's kind of that. That's yeah. kind of which is that. kind of silly when you when you think about that. That's correct. Yeah. I know. But, that's one. That's but right. The shuttle, though. I mean, that's yeah. It, it made sense for that. that it makes more sense for that. Uh, and so, you know, we, we went a few more years, uh, basically playing out what we could, and we still don't have a a government. Uh, launch vehicle yeah. yet. We are relying on uh, private enterprise and foreign countries. Which seems very weird to us that live through this. That's not supposed to happen. Well, I don't mind the uh, the private enterprise, yeah. you know, the SpaceX launches, things like that. Uh, it's relying on the Russians or somebody else. Or the Chinese. Or the Chinese. So you were talking about going to the moon. 
Yes. And you think about that. In the 80s, that would have been absolutely abhorrent to the American people. But with the end of the Cold War, everything changed. I don't know that the Chinese are are, any, are all that close to getting there. Perhaps. There's talk about it. I don't know if it'll actually it's happen. It's kind but, of a shrug, though. We're like, eh, let them. We got stuff to do. Well, yeah, we got stuff see, to do. See, that's the change, there, though. That's the change. Bought the t-shirt. It's, it's, it's all of a sudden, back. we don't need it like we did. And well, I, I, I hate that. Because I don't think it was just a matter of national pride to do this. I think, you know, we well, truly, the spirit of exploration has been muted by that fact. And well, I'm more yeah, that. But, you know, to, to Martin's point, you know, been there, done that, um, having done it is a fantastic thing. But now what are you going to do with that is the yeah. thing. You know, well, talking about putting a Mars base was, on the. Yeah, well, on, Mars was the thing. Well, but again, once you've been there, really, what are you going to do with it? Because unless you can bring stuff back, you're really kind of sending somebody off to die on another planet. Because you're probably because you know getting somebody back is a big deal. Um, and and you know maybe you will because I'm sure that you know as tech. But you know those first people who go there, who knows if they will ever come back? Yeah, that's right. And because you don't you don't know that the base is going to be able to last. Uh, even going to the moon, being only 236,000 miles away, it's a crapshoot whether or not yeah, that will be a success. Bringing back home again safely is the trick. You know, to me, the, the more important thing is where we were headed, which was actually doing stuff in space that advanced human knowledge and provided benefits on the Earth. That's right. you know, there are certain experiments and, and things you can only do in zero gravity that produce certain medicines and what have you that uh, can be used here. And certain other things you can only do in zero gravity that are, I think are important. Yeah. And it's That's an why e- I like the International Space Station, yeah. although I still think it should have been called Space Station Freedom like Reagan wanted it to be called. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm, with, I'm with Francis. It's, it's important that we get that sense of exploration, that need to explore back. Yeah. We, we, well, to we, me, it's we, not the need to explore. It's the need to keep going, doing more and more. To learn. To learn. That's all wrapped up together. That's yeah. right. But I don't think you necessarily have to, to go and establish a base on the moon or, or Mars. Uh, I think what is, We just need to get back out we there. We need to get back out there. Having more permanent presence uh, on the space station, on a real space station. Uh, really, as long as it's, as it's lasted, probably as long as uh, anybody ever thought it would. Yeah. Um, but it's still kind of a... Uh, you know, it's not quite as bad as that Russian space station in Armageddon, where you think it's going to blow up any second. Yeah. But you know, it's getting up there in age too. Yeah. So you you're, you don't see any value in a space station, a moon base, Clavius, uh, to steal from two thousand one. Not yet, not yeah. yet, because I don't know what are we going to do once we're there. Yeah, well, yeah, we're just, we need to get back out there, explore, understand what long term space uh, exploration does to, to the human body, which we know a lot of this. I we mean, do know a there, lot of that, yeah. But we need to get out there again. Even, you don't have to even touch down on Mars. If we could just get to the point of orbiting Mars and coming home, talk about an incredible right. step forward. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these things, I want to know what the purpose there. is. If we do these things so that it's a stepping stone to mining the uh, asteroid belt beyond Mars... For instance, see that, and that's that what, I think is a much where better, the, better goal. That's what, well, you know, the moon may hold this. We're not, and sure. the moon may. And that's that's one of the reasons to try that. Well, and, that, that's, and that's why I am all for going back, mm-hmm. doing surveys, being able to stay a little bit longer. But a permanent base, eh, I don't know. No, it'd be a it'd be a mining colony. 
And that's what well, but science fiction's done a lot of that. You know, outlines. A mining colony is one thing. Yeah, but you got to do the other stuff. You got to go and serve. You got to do all these other things because now putting a, a mining colony on the moon is a crapshoot because you don't really know what's there. That's We've correct. only been there less than a half dozen times. Right, and that's that's the issue. And they're they're speculating more. They're figuring out more. There's apparently a lot of oxygen available. Uh, uh, it, locked in the rocks. Locked yes. in the rocks. So that would make it all of a sudden something that was more feasible. That, right. I mean, that's one of that's yeah. literally just a few weeks old. In, in the meantime, I'm fine with Bezos shooting football players into space or actors. I was gonna say, come I'm, on now. I'm good with it. Shat went. You, Shat we, went. we can't that you know I was not a stray hands going I was not a fan going. of Bezos. I thought, you know, you, you, that's the best you can do for humanity yeah. is is have your I like that moment. it's a, I like that he's doing this but they're learning privately. Well, it's his money, but more importantly, I don't think that, that we need to let the government be the only one doing this, pushing the boundaries, because they're not going to necessarily be the best at it. Now, the government probably, oddly enough, because you think, well, the government's fairly reckless in a lot of ways. Challenger is a good yeah. example of that. Um, you know, the government, uh, with all the regulation that goes on, has probably stopped... Uh, Bezos and who's the other guy? Uh, Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Is, yeah. Is, uh, from from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Uh, mostly uh, Bezos, I think, is the one that uh, yeah. they've halted. Is it him or Musk that they've halted launches for? Because they're saying you're not being safe. Um, yeah. I, I well, know. I mean, Bezos is going because he uh, the flight with Michael Strahan's coming up soon. Right, but I mean, you know, they uh, had so to, it must have been the it must have been must been Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not having stopped permanently. It's just particular no, no, launches that yeah. they they halt. Uh, but I mean, the leap forward that they've made is the idea of a recoverable rocket. Even with the yes. shuttle, the rockets aren't terribly recoverable. Well, the the solid so. rocket boosters were. Those were reused. The the liquid tank was not. Yeah. Because uh, that went too far up to, to be able to come down and be reusable. So they've got a, a the Dragon and the Falcon X. And all, it's amazing. And keep right. going. And that's private keep enterprise yeah. doing this. Now, I, going, I think Elon. it's important to let them keep doing it. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know that NASA is capable of the kind of things that ought to be done yeah. as the only agency doing it. You know, you know, keep going. Fact, the fact I'm is, they're not in support. I mean, there's people bagging on it and saying, "Oh, well, that's what you spend your money on." Hey, it, one, it's his money, and two, we are still learning. We are still advancing. Yes, it's right. a little bit of oh, celebrity in space thing, but we're advancing. But you know, there's also lots of jobs tied up into this yeah. too. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's just blowing money and and nobody's getting any benefit out of this. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, and he's, that's he's the thing. That's why. Something like Challenger and Columbia and Apollo 1. Or uh, who was the uh, the Russian uh, cosmonaut that, that... There was a Russian cosmonaut that died as well. Oh, I uh, That was back in the recall. early 60s. Yeah, I do not recall. Um, all of these fatalities, tragic as they are, have to be used as a reason to go forward, not a reason to stop. Just, yeah, right. You know, that's I what agree. Reagan was talking about in the, at the end of that speech. Uh, one, it's to honor their memory, you know, because they were doing something that very few people could do or would want to do. And even of those that could and would want, very few get picked. So, I mean, these are the best of the best. Yes. And the fact that they're willing to do these things for what is at the moment a nebulous benefit. 
Because, you know, in the beginning, it really is. Yeah. You don't really know for sure what yeah. the good is that's going to be. You know, maybe you're going to push your knowledge boundaries a certain certain amount. Maybe you're not. But, you know, it's it's a it's important to keep going because of these losses. I think that's a great spot to end on, actually. Yes. What's next, Francis, buddy? Uh, Code of Honor next time. You know, we're going to be uh, quoting who knows what. We've not overly produced this, as we don't normally do anyway. Nope, we are not doing a themed Code of Honor. This is going to be straight open. Who knows what you're going to get, but I can tell you this, it's going to be awesome. Join us. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.